0: Hello. Thank you for joining us for our online Monday Thursday service at Faith Community United Methodist Church. This is Monday Thursday, April first, two thousand and twenty-one. We have, throughout this season of Lent, we've been looking at the testing of Jesus, reading different stories about ways that Jesus was tested throughout his ministry and ways that he uh, approached handling those tests, and of course, passed all of the tests. Uh, We are continuing that and concluding that series this evening on Monday, Thursday and I'm going to be reading three passages from the Gospel of Luke uh, that all have to do with this Thursday evening and Good Friday uh, events that that took place uh, with Jesus uh, during that time. The first comes from Luke chapter 22 verses 14 through 23 and these are of course, familiar to us as the Last Supper, which Jesus shared with his disciples on that Thursday evening. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another, which one of them it could be who would do this? Our second reading comes from later in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46, and this is after the... After the supper that evening and, and after the other teachings of Jesus in the upper room, and he and his disciples made their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. And our final reading this evening comes from the next day, Good Friday. When Jesus was crucified. This is from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 43. Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The testing of Jesus, that has been our theme throughout this season of Lent. For us, it has been just over 40 days. For Jesus, the testing lasted throughout his public ministry, which was probably a good three years. That's a long time to be tested. And Jesus was tested in just about every way imaginable by just about every person in his life throughout those three years. He was tested by the people of Nazareth, where he grew up, the ones who thought they knew him the best and couldn't believe that he was anything special. He was tested by would-be followers who wanted to find out if he was worth leaving everything to follow. He was tested by scribes and Pharisees and lawyers who didn't like the things he was teaching and wanted to see his ministry brought to an end. He was tested by Sadducees and priests, who didn't appreciate him attacking their sacrificial system and their authority at the temple. He was tested by the crowds, where wherever he went, people eager to see him perform according to their expectations and meet their demands. He was tested by his closest followers, even by Peter, who didn't like where Jesus was head, headed when he started talking about the cross. He was even tested by his own family who didn't understand the things that he was doing and they tried to convince him to come back home with them. Most of all, Jesus was tested by Satan. In all of these various tests, through all these variety of people, Satan was at work trying to divert Jesus from his mission, trying to trip Jesus up, trying to steer him off course. We saw that first in Jesus' dramatic encounter with Satan in the wilderness during his 40 days of fasting when the devil presented Jesus with a series of temptations. We read about that on Ash Wednesday. That story, which took place at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, set up for us the fact that Satan would continue to tempt and to test and to attack Jesus at every opportunity. An opportune time is how the Bible puts it. Now, the time had come for Jesus to complete his work. And the time had come for Satan to do his worst, to make one last attempt. The events of Monday, Thursday and Good Friday are the final showdown, the last test that Jesus would have to face. And it was the most torturous of all, It began with a meal, and this wasn't just any meal. This was the Passover meal. Our first reading for this evening starts off like this. When the hour had come, he took his place at the table. There's a double meaning to that expression, when the hour came. In a, in a straightforward sense, the, the hour had come for the Passover meal to begin. But in a much broader sense, the hour had come not as in a literal hour on the clock, but as in the fulfillment of time. The hour had arrived when Jesus would begin to fulfill the purpose for which he came. The fulfillment of that mission began with a Passover feast. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, Jesus told his disciples. The Passover feast was a feast during which the Jewish people remembered and in some ways even reenacted God liberating them uh, from from captivity in Egypt, freeing them. It it had always been a feast of remembrance, pointing back to a salvation that had taken place in the past. But this time Jesus transformed the feast. He, He made it about the future. A salvation that was close at hand. I will not eat of it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, Jesus said. There was a salvation coming. The deliverance that had taken place all those centuries ago in Egypt was a mere foreshadowing of the deliverance that was about to be revealed. Jesus pointed ahead to this deliverance that was about to take place when he took the bread and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He pointed to the salvation that would come through the shedding of his blood when he took the cup of wine and said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This would continue to be a feast of remembrance, but no longer would it be a feast remembering God freeing a particular group of people from Egypt centuries ago, a freedom That they so often failed to live into and which they lost over and over again. Now it would be a remembrance of God freeing people from their sins for all time and opening up the kingdom of God for all people to go in. Jesus showed the disciples in that Last Supper that he knew what was about to happen and he understood why. His arrest would not be an accident. His trial would not be a mistake. His crucifixion would not be a defeat. All of this was necessary. All of this was God's plan for freeing his people from their sins and from death and corruption those sins had brought about. Jesus knew this. And he went into it voluntarily, by choice. He went through with it out of love. But that wouldn't make it any easier it would still be excruciatingly painful. This would be the most difficult challenge Jesus had ever faced, the most difficult challenge anyone could ever face. Because remember these two things. Number one, Jesus hadn't done anything to deserve what he was about to go through. Everyone else who has ever lived has earned punishment and death through their sins, but not Jesus. Jesus was without sin. And yet, he would be tortured and killed like the most awful, sinful, evil person ever. And number two, Jesus had the power to avoid all of this. Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels to come to his defense. In going through with the crucifixion, Jesus had to consciously choose not to use the power he had at his disposal to get out of it, to save himself, knowing that you don't deserve to suffer, knowing that you have the power to avoid that suffering, and yet refusing to use that power, choosing to go through with the torment anyway, on behalf of and because of those who actually do deserve it, well, there couldn't possibly be a more trying challenge than that. And that was exactly the final test that Jesus had to pass. Have you ever been through a night that seemed like it would never end? This must have been one of those nights for Jesus, The Gospels tell about his Last Supper with the disciples, but there was a whole lot more to that Thursday night than just the Last Supper. The Gospels devote many chapters to this one evening, more than any other moment of Jesus' life. There are disputes among the disciples about which of them is the greatest. There's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and telling them to do likewise, there are several whole chapters of Jesus teaching his disciples that night in the upper room, trying to get them ready for what's about to happen. And then, and then there are the hours of agony spent in the garden of Gethsemane. After leaving the upper room, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Mount of Olives, to the garden. They went there to pray. Jesus knew how trying this night and the next day would be. And he knew the only way he could make it was through prayer. He asked the disciples to pray too. But he didn't ask them to pray for him. He he told them, pray that you may not come to the time of trial. Pray that you may not come into the time of temptation. Jesus knew that Satan was close at hand. Jesus knew that they were all being tested that night. Then Jesus withdrew by himself and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. This is the model prayer for all of us when we face temptation, when our faith is being tested. This cup that Jesus was asking to be removed from him was the cup of suffering, the cup of God's wrath, which would be poured out on him for all the sins of all the world. It was God's righteous judgment, which cannot allow for sin to remain without consequence. It was the cup of death that would otherwise have been poured out on everyone else who had ever lived. If you are willing, remove this cup from me, Jesus prayed. If there was any other way for sin to be wiped out, if there was any other way for humanity to be redeemed, Jesus was pleading with the Father not to make him receive this cup of wrath, this punishment, this death upon himself. Yet not my will, but thine be done much as he didn't want to go through with it, painful as it would be, so painful, so agonizing, that the very thought of it caused Jesus to literally sweat blood. Despite all of that, Jesus would go through with it. He would fulfill his divine mission. He would stay true and obedient to God. Not my will but thine be done. With those words, Jesus once again passed the test. But the devil would be close by him throughout the ordeal. The devil would be there even as Jesus hung on the cross. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the people scoffed. The soldiers mocked, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Even one of the criminals hanging next to him derided Jesus, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. These taunting words, these challenges to prove himself, these temptations to use his power, they were the same temptations Satan had thrown at him in the wilderness three years before. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. The Son of God need not go hungry. He can produce food out of stones. The Son of God need not hang on a cross. He has the power to save himself. If you are who you say you are, prove it. It's the same temptation. Jesus had resisted it in the wilderness and he resists it on the cross. He did not come to serve himself. He did not come to save himself. He came to serve and to save all humankind. He could not prove himself by saving himself. He could only truly prove himself by saving others. But the temptation was there. Satan had tempted Jesus in the wilderness to claim authority over all the kingdoms of the world by bowing down to him. On the cross, the soldiers mocked Jesus. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. By saving himself, coming down from the cross, that would be turning his back on God. And turning your back on God is the same thing as bowing down to the devil. Again, it was the same temptation. Claim your power and authority over the kingdoms of this world now by avoiding the cross. Jesus' power and authority came only by enduring the cross. But the temptation was there. Satan had tempted Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple so that God would send angels to rescue him. The criminal hanging next to Jesus said, save yourself and us. And Jesus could have done it. Jesus could very well have called down the angels to take all three of them off the cross to keep them all safe. But what would that accomplish? Only a temporary salvation. Eternal salvation for all humankind would be lost. But the temptation was there. These were all the same tests that Jesus had faced for three years. He faced them at the beginning of his ministry in the wilderness. Now he faced them a final time on the cross. Throughout it all, Jesus kept his eyes fixed on eternity. Throughout it all, through every trial and test that he faced, Jesus remained faithful to God's eternal plan. That is what gave him the strength to endure. He didn't call on any supernatural powers to ease his suffering. He didn't conjure up some miracle by which he couldn't feel the lashes on his back or the nails going through his hands. Jesus felt every bit of the pain. He suffered it all. And he did it all for us, for you and for me. He did it to save us. He went through all that torment so that we could be welcomed into God's kingdom, so that we can be adopted into God's family. Jesus went through that time of trial so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus passed every test so that we could get the reward. Jesus suffered the torment of death so that we can receive the gift of life. Jesus hung on the cross and died so that we can live with him in glory. Thanks be to God for his amazing love poured out for us in Jesus Christ. And now we get the privilege of experiencing that amazing love once again just as the disciples did on that Thursday evening in the sacrament of Holy Communion. And so I invite you now to pray with me as we prepare to receive the sacrament. Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, from the earth you bring forth bread and create the fruit of the vine. You formed us in your image, delivered us from captivity and made covenant to be our sovereign God you fed us manna in the wilderness and gave grapes as evidence of the promised land. When we had turned aside from your way and abused your gifts, you gave us in Jesus the crowning gift. Emptying himself that our joy might be full, he fed the hungry, healed the sick, ate with the scorned and forgotten, washed his disciples' feet, and gave a holy meal as a pledge of his abiding presence. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, Amen. I invite you now to take the bread, the body of Christ, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. And now take the juice. The cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of Him. Let us pray. Precious and holy Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us once again. We thank you for that ultimate sacrifice that you made on our behalf to wash away our sin, to make us your holy people. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. May that Holy Spirit continue to dwell within us and to inspire us to holy living this day and in all the days to come, that we might continue to live to your glory. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. I pray that you continue to have a holy week and that you will celebrate the resurrection with us on this Easter Sunday. God be with you. Amen.